0: Hello, everyone. This is Ricky, and you're listening to River City Church Talks, where we will take a deeper dive into the happenings, the coming ups, and the yets to be. Join me as we sit down with our pastors, ministers, and leaders to talk River City. Today, I'm joined by Nick Fox, our associate pastor, and Rebecca Grieben, our director of women ministries. Hi, guys. How are y'all today?
1: Good. Thank you.
0: Doing good, Ricky. You doing okay? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Um, it's a good day. I get to sit down and have a conversation with two of my good friends here at the church. Rebecca, we have known each other for almost 20 years. Yeah, We have been at wow. River City for almost the... Well, y'all, you have been here at the start. Yeah. I think I came in two years after the fact. But... How has that run been for you here at the church? You've seen so many different iterations of this church. And what is the main difference that you see from when we planted this church mm-hmm. to today?
1: You know, that's that's a really great question and it's such an interesting question and I will say the common thread that I've always seen in this church is that God shows up in this church, which is why Greg and I are still here. I will tell you there were a few times, because we've been through every, like you said, every iteration of leadership, every uh, way that this church could look when it was a video venue, when we were unloading a trailer and setting up and tearing down every single Sunday, which was exhausting, when there were like 12 people in the congregation, when we were trying to find a place to lease, when we started to grow, the seasons that we went backwards in growth. And I mean, there were literally some times where um, Greg and I would sit down. And I remember one conversation we had in which he looked at me and he said, all right, let's you know let's start talking about this there's been yet another change and we aren't sure how it's going to go and and he said how long how long do you think we're going to stick it out like how long do you see yourself staying at this church and i looked at him and i said as long as you make me <laughs> it was one of those <laughs> right. like cuz it was exhausting yep. um but in all seriousness we were just like look, we will stay here as long as we feel like god shows up in this church and it's been what has it been? 12 years? Uh, no, more, more than that. 14? 14, like 14, 15. Yeah. Right. Years that we've been here and he just keeps showing up and sometimes it's messier than others. Um, I'm incredibly excited that we have that land. Right. I'm incredibly excited that we are going to be building our very own building. It's like getting your own home after this many years. It's been an incredible thing to watch our friends and family be affected by this, to watch our kids grow up in this church. Um, It makes me so excited to see all the new people. And it feels to me like we're in a season where a lot of new leaders are stepping up. Like we're starting to really build teams with people who are new and coming in with different talents. and um And that's so exciting because I think... I think you have to be fluid, and I think you have to be willing to change. Right. And it's challenging. You know, we've worn just about every hat you can wear uh, at this church, and some of those are harder to let go of than others. Oh, 100%. And,
0: you know, you mentioned leaders stepping up and new people and whatnot, and I sit in the back of the booth, and I, you know, get to watch church from the back, you know, forward, and to see people walk in that I have never seen before. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know you. But that's awesome that you're here. But also the leadership um, changing and whatnot, and it is hard, like you said. Sometimes you're like, "No, I've been doing this my entire time here." Exactly. You don't know how my baby runs, but then yeah. you know God reminds you, "No, yeah, you're supposed your to release." Yeah, yeah not your baby. baby, my
1: baby. Yeah, <laughs> and I. But I think that's something that this church has done uh, very well, and for for some of us who are kind of the OG group, it's. Unusual to have this many of your originals stick around. hundred uh, percent. Really. And so I have to applaud like the entire original group and the new group coming in and how it has ebbed and flowed in a way because um, it is hard to let go of and it is hard to have something that you started and when it was like grunge and blood and sweat and tears and nobody wanted to be a part of it because it wasn't pretty and shiny yet. And then once it gets pretty and shiny and and more fun, everybody's like, oh, I'm in. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, look at what we did. And you're like, yes, yes, we all did together, even though I'm nowhere near it anymore. It just becomes... It's kind of dying to self, which is right. really, really a great lesson to keep learning over and over. Even though sometimes it's a very hard lesson to keep learning yeah. over and over. No, that
0: is that is a hard lesson, and you know I was in the same boat. You know I lived in downtown San Antonio, but still came to River City. I remember, and I would have those conversations with God, and I'm like, I could go to church down the road, I could serve here, and every time he's like, Nope, yeah, it's not time for you to leave, and I'm like, Okay. So I do, I would just keep on going. And then here I am, you know, 14, 15 years later. And, you know, every now and then I have that conversation. I'm like, you know, I can go to church up the road. <laughs> and he's like, Nope. And I'm like, okay, God. Okay. So that brings me into another question, Rebecca. Um, having seen, you know, this building built into what it is now, because it was a gymnasium and yeah. we put up walls and that was a fun experience. I yes. got to work alongside your husband, you know, and power <laughs> tools and a bunch of different ministry men that probably shouldn't be able to run power tools. But (laughs) what is the one thing that you're looking forward to in our new space?
1: One thing I'm looking forward to in our new space, I think the flexibility it's going to offer us um, for growth uh, in all the ministries. I think um, not having to work around another entity's schedule. I think being able to have like storage for things oh, yeah. uh, that's been a huge challenge, right? I think being able to um, have meetings or Bible studies or events in which we are set up for that, for you know, it's it's very challenging at times, um, especially with women's because a lot of times you've got to juggle childcare in there and that kind of thing, and this it becomes hard because some of the times that are convenient for moms or for women to come or times where it's not convenient for the building. Like we're all having to share this space together. And so it's kind of difficult to get consistency going for groups. And so I'm very much looking forward to consistency. And again, that whole, like when we walk in, we're like, this is home. Right. This is our home. It's not our, our rented space. Although I have to say, this little building has gone so far beyond the capabilities of what you would think it could. Sure, 100%. It has done such a good job for us. It has been such a beautiful home for us. Um. And when we first came in here, I don't know that any of us knew the ways to which we could stretch and mold. And we've been very lucky to have in the previous school owners and the current school owners, people who have been willing to let us make changes right. and improvements um and I I don't take that gift for granted because I know we may or may not have necessarily found that somewhere else.
0: Right. And it and it's a testament to the church and to the you know the people you know because we we've grown where we were planted. Absolutely. And where we were planted isn't necessarily the most beautiful place. No. But the tree has flourished and has produced great fruit. And that moves me into my next question, Rebecca, and this is probably a thinker. It has been for everyone else. What does the phrase, in your own words, badly broken,
1: deeply loved mean? Oh, wow. In my own words, what does the phrase, badly broken, deeply loved mean? I think for me, what I love about that is just it's such an incredible statement of acceptance, And I think especially right now, we are in a time in history and in society where people are really, really unaccepting. They're angry and they're frustrated and they're scared. And so more than ever, I think we need to be able to look at each other without judgment and say, look, you're kind of a mess. And I know this because I'm kind of a mess and like recognizes like, and it doesn't make you any less lovable. It doesn't make you any less valuable. And we have to treat things of value with care. And there is nothing more valuable than a person, regardless of their state of brokenness or not. And I think um, we try to do that, but in our humanity, of course, we Fall short. And that's kind of like yesterday at the beginning of the sermon when I was talking about the fact so many people are like, well, the two big excuses I hear from people not to go to church or not to be part of a church family are number one, well, church is just full of hypocrites. Like, it's, well, church is full of humans. So... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, we're all, yes. we're all trying to, like, say the right stuff and do the right stuff, and we're not very, very good at it. And so sometimes for me, I'm like, yeah, but imagine what a bigger mess I'd be if I didn't have Jesus. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, just to say that you're a Christian, for most people, when I define that, I'm like, it. what it means is that I believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and I'm just doing my best to follow him. And I'm not going to be very good at it on a lot of days. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's okay. Because of the deeply loved portion. And the other excuse that, you know, we hear a lot is, well, I'm, I'm a mess. I need to get it together once I have my stuff in order, once I have my schedule in order. And I just want to say this is where we come to get it together. You don't have to be pulled together to show up here we're going to love you anyway. We're going to make mistakes along with you. Uh, we're going to make some mistakes that you're like, really? You're in leadership? And uh, you pulled that doozy <laughs> off. And it's okay. It is okay because we're all going to grow together. So I think for me, it's just the ultimate expression of unconditional love. Right. There's
0: a funny story. The the reason I came to River mm-hmm. City is uh, Rebecca and I have a good friend. And we all kind of grew up in work together. And um, the work wasn't the most, I mean, it was, it wasn't a Christian kind of, place. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was lots of stuff that went on and whatnot. And I was working at a Starbucks in a Target and this person came up and, you know, we reconnected after years of being apart. And he said, you won't believe what I'm doing now. And I was like, so what are you doing now? He's like, I'm a pastor. And I said, nope, I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Because, you know, I equated the person with the sin. Mm. You know, I grew up in a church. i been in church my entire life, you know, but it was just, it was that. It was black and white. You're a sinner, so no, you can't, no, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I always refused my own sin, you know, that whole thing. But then I got invited to the church, and I came to the church, and I saw all these people that I used to work with, that we shared a commonality with, and I was like, oh, okay. So my brokenness is still lovable. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, every time we say badly broken, deeply loved, that's something that reminds me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: That no matter how bad you think the situation is, or how jagged you think you are, God still loves you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that story.
0: So Rebecca, you are also on our teaching team. Yes. You are the only female on our teaching team. Yes. You are a phenomenal speaker. Thank I have. You had the privilege and the pleasure to hear you speak in many different um, settings um, at your women's uh, events and um, your conferences and and here at the church. And yesterday, you um, talked about goodness as part of our Fruit of the Spirit series, bear Fruit. Mm-hmm. You defined goodness in so many different ways. But the one thing that stuck out to me was that goodness is obedient. Yeah. I don't think you kind of expanded on that can you expand on that part of goodness
1: yeah absolutely you know that was an interesting word to me too when it came up as a synonym synonym for goodness I was like I have never even thought about that as um, a synonym but when we think about when we think about it when we look at children in particular a lot of times I look at m- Relationships between parents and kids that kind of parallel like God's relationship with us. And a lot of times when kids are little, the way we define good kids are the kids who are the most obedient. Like really, oh, you're such a good girl. You did what mommy asked you to, or oh, you're such a good boy. You paid attention when dad told you to, you know, help with whatever. And we kind of define goodness along with obedience for kids. Um, which I think is, an appropriate way to start as long as it's not the only way we define goodness in kids. Like just because you have a moment of disobedience does not mean you are no longer a good person. Um, And so for us as adults, we start to kind of excuse ourselves out of that. We're not necessarily worried about being obedient as part of goodness. And I think a lot of times um, we need to kind of come back to that because Jesus was pretty clear whenever he was bringing something up that was like not for discussion or not optional. And he was very clear on the two rules that are not optional. And they are to love God and love your neighbor. And he was like, do it. Like we talked about it yesterday. He's like, do this, do this. And he was never like, I mean, if you're having a great day or if they deserve it. And so I think if we're going to personify fruits of the spirit and goodness in particular, that involves obedience to the call to love other people. Like you can't really bear the fruit of goodness if you are not expressing love in a way that serves or benefits another person. You really can't do kingdom work if you're not expressing yourself in a way that loves or benefits other people because people are the work of the kingdom. And so I think um, I did mention at some point in the service, like it's not optional. We don't get any excuses, but yeah, I didn't necessarily pound the obedience thing um, into the ground <laughs> for that.
0: But that's just a, a great representation because yeah, you equate, goodness with obedience yeah yeah for sure you're a good person because you obeyed the law or you obeyed you know right whatever someone was telling you so you taught on the good samaritan the story in luke um the one thing that i always appreciate about you rebecca is that you give such good context thank you you know the the road between jericho and jerusalem you know what that was called you know the the whole fact of the the Levites and what they were called to do in the church, and this story it kind of opened up for me yesterday because again you read the story and you mentioned this in your in your sermon that you read these stories and you read these stories and then it's just a story, mm-hmm. but then you get someone you know as as great as you and you give the context of the Good Samaritan and it's like, huh. That that completely changes, but the one thing I love the most about the way you tell your stories is that you give Jesus his personality, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and every time you know you you talk about our our Father, you give him such good personality. The, the Levit was asking him, you know, how or you know what are the the things that I need to do in order to get into the kingdom and the whole. Well, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> That that always is is great for me. So we were talking about the Good Samaritan, and we we're talking about you know what he did. You know he didn't shun the person who was beaten. He didn't shun you know the bloodiness or, or the whatnot. He gave of himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you equate that to today?
1: I think that today a lot of people are bloody and beaten. We just can't see their wounds externally, and so I think the first thing that we have to do that the Samaritan did so well is actually see the wounds on the person and pay attention to what it is that has hurt them, regardless of, you know, one of the comments I made is one of the things he didn't do was, like, sit back and and think about, well, what were the man's choices to this point that may have put him into this predicament? Like, that's when you come upon somebody who is wounded, who is in need of help, like, those aren't the questions we need to be asking ourselves. I think the questions we need to ask ourselves always are, what's the immediate need?
0: Yeah, he saw the human.
1: Absolutely. He saw the human. He saw the immediate need. And the first thing that needed to happen was he needed to staunch the bleeding and get the guy somewhere safe. And I think in this day and age, we have forgotten that step. We've forgotten the fact that when somebody is really hurt, when they are bleeding, what we have to do is stop everything and address the immediate need. Even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs us something, and it always will. Like I said yesterday, it should. If you're doing it right, interactions with other people, helping another human being, is going to cost you. That's kind of the point. That's what makes it personal. Not just financially. Not just financially. Emotional. Absolutely. It's going to make you step outside of yourself, step outside of your comfort zone. You know, with the Samaritan, it made him stay on the road, on that way of blood, which was that dangerous section of the 17 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. It made him stay there longer and be distracted and not being looking out for himself. And sometimes it makes us stay in a situation or put ourselves in a situation that is vulnerable or perhaps harmful to us, whether it's harmful uh, socially, whether it's harmful uh, financially, uh, very rare occasions for most of us, is it going to be harmful physically? I mean, we just you know, don't tend to live in a society where that's as much an issue right now for the majority of us, but you have to be able to take a risk and say, look, this is someone who needs me. This is an opportunity for me to step in and perform something of service in a way that is meaningful, that is good, that spreads hope and spreads light. And it's not always going to be to your benefit. In fact, most of the time, it's not going to be to your benefit. It's not going to be pretty. You're not going to have a cheering crowd. You're going to have oftentimes people who are like, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that situation who are going to look at you in a way and be like, oh, well, since you crossed the road and helped that person, that must mean you think this way or you vote this way. And now I can't be your friend or I can't listen to you or you are no longer relevant to my life. These are the risks we take now. This is kind of what that danger looks like for us now. It's very different. It's a little bit cleaned up, but I think it's in no less way wounding.
0: Right. And you said something yesterday that kind of stuck with me. You said, he, speaking about the Samaritan, he knew that where the situation's reversed, the man he was helping would possibly or probably not be inclined to help him.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that speaks to the whole, we're all broken. Yes. You know, we don't have to go in and say, oh, you're not as clean as me, or you're not in this socioeconomics, you know, Mm -hmm. part, or you don't look like me, or you don't think like me or whatnot. You just are supposed to cross the road. Absolutely. And help the person.
1: Yeah. And that's hard. It's hard when you look at somebody and you're like, I know if our situations were reversed, you would not be kind to me. You would not be willing to stick your neck out to me. And that's not the point. That's yeah. not what matters. And it gets harder and harder, I think, sometimes because we are also, I think, guarded right now. Like we're expecting other people to be angry or be judgmental because so much of it is happening, you know? And it it breaks my heart in so many ways. It breaks my heart for us. It breaks my heart for our next generation you know that we are we're so quick to define or label people um it's it's always amazing to me you know when we talk about goodness, when you were asked me that earlier, and I was talking about, well, in children, it really does look like obedience. And, you know, as they start to get older and stretch their wings and and stuff, I mean, we'll all like generalize like, oh, teenagers or oh, young adults, they, you know, they're not going to listen anymore. They're going to do these things. And we like to say stuff like, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but we don't sometimes really mean it uh, deep down. It amazes me. You know, I've been doing the high school girls, the skillet group uh, going on eight years now. And so I'm raising teenagers. I am mentoring teenagers. I'm around teenagers all the time. And it's very interesting when you work with teenagers, when you're, when you're with them a lot over the years, I'll tell the girls, I'm like, listen, be in part of my group. I got to tell you this right now. You're on everybody's radar. Like everybody in this town I hear everything because people will call me to tattle on kids that don't even go to our church. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And they're like, are you going to call this mother? I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. Like, no, I'm probably not going to call this mother. But we, you know, we have a lot of girls that have come through Skillet over the years, a lot of them that bring their friends, their families that, that don't necessarily go to River City, which fills my heart, right? That we're out there and we're kind of, touching all different groups and demographics. Um, and I'll tell the girls, I'm like, look, here's the thing. I'm going to hear most of what you do. I'm going to hear about it. Um, I'm going to see about it. We're going to talk about it because unless it is something that is vitally important, I'm not going to run and go tattle. And I, you know, take things with a grain of salt, depending on the the source or the whatever, but it's always amazing to me. Um, 90, 95% of parents will say, I want to know if my kid did something like you need to tell me. And 99% of those parents actually do not want to know if their kid did something, because if it gets to a situation, where we have to talk to it. I hear it all the time. And they're like, well, they would never. They're a good kid. My kids just wouldn't. We stay in denial. They're a good kid. And I'm like, no one said they weren't. Mm-hmm. No one said they weren't a good kid. And I don't understand why we got into this place where we like to look at each other and say, well, sometimes, you know, good people aren't always good. But when it comes to our kids, we're just as quick to label them. Really good kids do really stupid things because really good adults can do really stupid things. And it doesn't make them less lovable. It doesn't make them less valuable. It means we got to learn from this and figure out how do we have accountability, you know. Truth and love is hard to do because we have to love them so hard first in order for the truth to be impactful as opposed to, you know, gotcha or judgmental. Right. Or-
0: you um, told a story yesterday about your eldest son, Luke. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it was that I crossed the road moment. I want to know what's in the chicken salad recipe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've had several people ask me that actually. <laughs> to find out
0: what I'm talking about, you have to go listen to Rebecca's uh, sermon. It's on YouTube and it's also on this on podcast as well, so you could find it. But you told the story about how Luke was driving to school mm-hmm. and he um, just felt the need to stop. He's seen this homeless person on the side of the road, you know, every day that he drove, and this day something told him, you know, go back. Mm-hmm. And it was during the the COVID time, so 2020, um, and you were making some uh, gourmet meals. Yes. sack lunches. And when you said that, I envisioned bento boxes stacked up. You know, minute little sushi rolls or whatever. But you said chicken salad, and I was like, I need to know what's in the chicken salad.
1: It's a pretty great one. I think um, that chicken salad in particular, I think I had mentioned that I was trying to be like – uber healthy and organic you know I was like okay we'll get everybody's guts set up and then the virus can't get us and we're going to be super healthy and I went through a kick where I was making homemade mayonnaise um which is not necessarily a super complicated recipe but it's like a difficult process because it takes a while and you have to like emulsify the fats correctly and you have to use the right oil you have to use the right oil yeah you have to like time it exactly right in the blender and all this kind of stuff and so i think it's the mayonnaise that's the chicken salad uh yeah because both boys when they take that to school their friends are like dude your mom's chicken salad, man. So apparently, that's going to be my claim to fame: <laughs> is uh, the chicken salad maker. Which you know, there's worse things to be called.
0: That's right. That could be <laughs> your food truck.
1: Yeah. Right. Pick well, his food truck. Yeah, we're going to leave that up to Luke. Actually, he can. He'll do the food truck and maybe feature the chicken salad in it.
0: So you have three kids.
1: Yes. You have Luke, who is we, the oldest. Yes, Luke is the oldest. He's 19 years old, and he just finished his first year at college. He's in Tibeta, Louisiana, at Nichols State University.
0: Studying culinary.
1: In their culinary program, yeah. So, yes, he is going to surpass me, I'm sure, in everything, including the chicken salad, which is just fine uh, with me. But, yeah, he's in Louisiana, which is hard. Uh, it's hard to have him that far away, but he is exactly where he's supposed to be. Yes, yeah. And then Drew is our second. He's 16. He's going to be, I know, can you believe it? He's going to be a junior uh, this year, which is nuts. Uh, and he is a coach at TBRM summer camp this summer. So we're seeing very little of him. Um, and then he'll come out of TBRM, go to youth camp, and then go straight into drum camp and band camp and all. The craziness that entails. And then our baby is our girl, Emery. She's 12 and she is going to be- 12 going on 50. 12 going on 50, yes. (laughs) She runs the world and uh, she is going to be in seventh grade. So we are in middle school- uh, which I will tell you, it's my third time through middle school, but first time through with a girl. So it's a whole different ball game. Um, and even doing as many years of like youth and camp and skillet with the girls, uh, I feel in some ways a little prepared and in other ways I'm like, Oh man, nope. this is, this is going to be a whole new
0: <laughs> Nick. You have a bunch of girls. I do. You have, have four, what, two four boys and, and then four girls, two boys, four girls. Yeah.
2: Oldest is a girl senior.
1: I can't even. I'm going to be coming to you for senior like, this year. It's support. Group. I can't even. Yeah,
2: senior and then freshman. Boy, so my he's oldest a is freshman. So my oldest is Tatum. She's senior. Braylon is second oldest. He just turned 14, and he's going to be freshman. Wow. Um, Ella is 11, sixth grade. Addie is. 10 fifth grade remy is six and she's going to be in first and crew is going to pre-k this year so we are so you're all the kids are out of the house during the week yeah but it's it's a crazy spectrum of senior and pre-k and mm-hmm. yeah. it's just a it's crazy it's a lot it's of fun carpool. that's a lot of carpool it is yeah. <laughs> it is i'm glad that as for right now we're out in navarro so we still haven't exploded yet but so all of the schools are kind of in a line. So it makes pick up and drop off a little bit easier, but yeah,
0: it's going to get pretty crazy. Does Tatum take the kids to school or do y'all still?
2: She'll take. So last year Braylon had morning practices for football, so she couldn't take him to school, but Mm -hmm. this year um, he'll ride with her and Colleen will probably still take
0: the younger ones, but they'll all ride the bus home. Nice. Yeah. Is Drew taking Emory to school or are you going to still take her?
1: You know, Drew's schedule is so crazy because right. the band, I mean, nobody practices like the band yeah, does, honestly. And it's absolutely unbelievable. And so his hours. Um, and as much as the band practices, which is probably time and a half, what the football team practices and the football team works very, very hard. I had, you know, Luke was a football player, so we've done the full gamut of it, but the band is just a whole new level. And then the percussion, the drumline line practices like 25% over what the band is already practicing. So he will probably not be able to take her. Um, and then, you know, come spring, once marching season's over, then he's on the soccer so, team. Yeah. So his schedule's kind of, kind of a little bit wild. So it's probably still going to be, um, us taking her, she will get to play school sports this year, so that's going to be really fun to watch her. Oh, I'm gonna to have to, come to those games. Oh yeah, no, she's fun. She's a little firecracker. We're gonna have a good time with that.
0: Oh yeah, you're gonna get a lot of phone calls.
1: Yeah, Creepin. <laughs> <Miss> <laughs> she's something else. We yeah, that girl.
0: Emery yeah. was trying to lift three thousand pounds. You know.
1: Yeah, we have worked a lot on like know your limits, know your yeah. So, but it's fun. It's fun um, watching her kind of come into her own and, and, you know, she's got two really big personality, you know, dominant big brothers, but she holds, she holds her own quite well. Oh with yeah, them, she does. So, yeah.
0: Mecca. what is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you?
1: One thing that people, you had to ask me this one, right? I did. <laughs> are you going to make me say the thing? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that people would be generally surprised um to learn about me oh gosh there's a couple probably the one that would take people most off guard um, is that for like 15, 17 years, I trained as a classical flamenco dancer. So that he's nodding. That's what you were making me say. <laughs> <laughs> so my background is um, very heavily staged, which I'm sure everybody would be unsurprised after you meet me for a little while. I've been a singer dancer my whole life. Um, but my primary dance training has been classical flamenco. Yes. So I know I will not demonstrate, but that is an unusual fact about me so i actually awesome. play the castanets like the real ones not yes. the ones on in the six but i actually <laughs> fully play uh the castanets um yes because my uh,
0: favorite um rebecca and i served on the worship team as well <laughs> uh, together and my favorite thing is when rebecca would go into her flamenco mode and sometimes she would bring the castanets and all of a sudden <laughs> in the middle of you know
1: Jesus we love you here comes the castanets and yeah I was very distracted We were you can't run a really great tight rehearsal when yeah. I am present
0: If it wasn't castanets it was singing ABBA
1: Yes my warm up Fernando by ABBA that was always my mic nice. check back when our sound equipment was a little bit less um Reliable, right. let's say, than it is now. <laughs> we would have to redo sound checks, like, and reset everything, not only at practice but also on Sunday mornings because it was great. Oh, wow, the soundboard never stayed, and sometimes the school used the soundboard, and then it would reset our levels, and so we'd have to come in. And so I would do Fernando. Um, oftentimes, when we were having sound issues, yep. uh, Kent would do riffs on the drum and i would pick an 80s hairband song out of that riff and sing it while they were setting sound in the back and that was nice. it was always really funny too for like the younger yep. praise team members um one time i sang the entire song of lady in red and one of the girls looked at me <laughs> and she goes i didn't know anybody actually knew all the words to that it's like oh honey <laughs> yes. come join me
0: i will show you the way i will
1: bring you the words next week oh, wow.
0: becca if you could have a dinner party with any three people dead or alive, who would they be? And Jesus is already in the room. So yes, Jesus is already Jesus.
1: there. Oh, gosh, this is a really hard one. You're um,
0: going to have to just go with it because
2: you're going to second guess it as soon as you say I know, say it anyway. I'm going to
1: second guess everybody <laughs> as soon as I say Well, the the first one for me, would I would give anything one to have one more dinner party with my grandmother, for sure. My medsma, um, she was... Um, A force of nature man that woman was that's
0: a whole podcast that's a whole podcast in (laughs) itself
1: so i she absolutely uh would need to be there um i gotta say as much as i speak about her and have studied her and mentioned her at all the jingle bells i wouldn't mind sitting down to dinner with mary uh because wow that girl was spicy and amazing and solid and just to kind of ask her you know i have so many questions like trying to raise Jesus, like I just would be like, I mean, the ultimate test of motherhood here, like how intimidating was that? You know, also you make me feel better about myself because you managed to lose him on a family vacation. And so sometimes when I'm having a bad parenting day, I remind (laughs) myself of that story. Um, so I think she would be incredibly interesting, um, to meet with and to talk to. That's a good one. Yeah, she's she's
2: just really cool. It's kind of the question of like was it harder to raise Jesus right. or was it the easiest parenting gig on the right. planet? Yeah, I know. In the early years, well, and I would think like, just
1: even trying to teach him things perfect, then... like anytime you tried to teach him something, I would just stop and be like, do you know this already? Yeah. Like, are you just humoring us that okay, you don't know the one, word? Two,
2: do, you have, do you already you know already
1: count? This? Do you that's know that's hot. a dog? You were and there the when Adam say, named him. So what do you think? Yes. Is? What do you think, mom? <laughs> like, I think it would be intimidating and the sibling rivalry had to be out of control, oh, right? He's your favorite. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. He should be your favorite too. <laughs> exactly (laughs) hello listen to your brother so I would (laughs) I would love to like just get her perspective and I think she was a character um I think she was her interactions are she's pretty amazing so yeah definitely Mary oh gosh for the last one you know I've got it's a tie between okay you can have four okay can I have four that's Um, cheating I know I know but (laughs) so I'm kind of obsessed one of my big questions like Amelia Earhart I just, where did you go? Like, they never (laughs) found you. They never found the place. She's still out there. She's with
2: Elvis and Tupac, and they're all together.
1: Right? You just disappeared into thin air. But also, as a revolutionary, like as a woman stepping into a man's world to just do this amazing thing and do it with excellence at a time when people are not giving you the benefit of the doubt, when they are not offering you the same opportunities to train, like how, how charismatic and convincing did she have to be to get out there and, sure. and get people to like fund her or help her get a plane and do like, I just think trailblazers fascinate me, yeah. you know? So I think Amelia Earhart would maybe be, yeah. One of mine as well. Um, Who's your tie? Who's my tie? I think um, this is going to be about, I think maybe Eve. Oh. Really just sit her down and look at her and be like, girl, what were you thinking? You, you had all. zero competition. Like, you didn't have to worry about right. clothes, fashion, body image, work. Up until you, we didn't have to deal with like all the girl things that revolve around like childbearing and hormones and things like that. You had a dude that was like you were literally made for him. There was no question about what was going yeah. on. You didn't have like daddy issues, none of it and you blew it all made from
2: him and maybe. then she would tell you have you seen him right maybe, maybe so. if he was more supportive i wouldn't have maybe he'd been more
1: supportive <laughs> who knows but i'm so curious about that like talking snake nothing yeah. nothing dinged in your head with that one like it wasn't weird to you um but then you know i mean how many times in my life do i turn around and like basically do the same thing right. she did so honestly making fun of her is probably um more of a reflection of making fun of myself and all humanity. So yeah, I think that would be an interesting dinner party. would be party. A great dinner party. I think sitting my medsma across from Eve would just be entertaining as well. Like we oh, would you just- you wouldn't have to say a word. I know, right? I'd just be like sicker and just see, let medsma go to town on her. That'd be right, pretty cool. That would be fun.
0: <laughs> Tell me something, Rebecca, that you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you with. So like Chick-fil-A is the best chicken, Pepsi is the
1: Something I think is true. I, yes, Nick, I know. <laughs> that nobody- Almost would agree with me. You got to give us warnings for these profound questions. Oh my goodness. I think any kind of like float, like a root beer float, a Coke float, any of that, that whole concept, I think is just really, really disgusting. Like, I can't imagine why it's a popular dessert. I don't know why anybody would do that. I think they're just gross. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that a, that's, I don't know yeah, if that's I a mean, good one, but
2: I actually kind of agree. I with you agree so. as well. It's really, that's weird.
1: Who thought all of that? All
2: in the room. I don't. I maybe know. it's not an unpopular. I
1: bet it opinion. was an accident. I bet you somebody was like holding their how coke and their you? cone, and it fell over maybe. into the drink. I don't know
2: how you could choose to do
0: that on purpose, just to. Try I
1: really it out. don't.
0: But it's been around for a long time. I
1: know, and it's all foamy, like it's a texture thing. It's
0: putting milk in coke. That's just yeah. basically what it, I
1: don't know. It's just gross. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not super <laughs> untrue to other people, but there yeah. might be like avid float people out there that would disagree. <laughs> Well, leave your comments down
0: below. <laughs> yeah. Are you a float person or not a float exactly. person? Rebecca, what do you hope the world will look like in 10 years?
1: What do I hope the world will look like in 10 years? I hope, you know, we always talk about in in different areas, in, in business or in professions or in society, we talk about pendulum swings, right? Um, and I hope we swing back to a little bit more kindness, I would say, and open-mindedness. I yeah. think... Um, I think there's a lot of hope, you know, again, dealing with teenagers and the next generation. They're a really open-minded group, Um, and I think they are better rooted than we give them credit for. When you really sit down one-on-one or you speak to them in like a safe space or a small group, um, they're pretty amazing. They blow my mind. And so I hope that what we can do is build foundations with them in a way that stick, that don't make them walk away from um, God or uh, the family concept of church as it's supposed to be and that they just stick really hard to that, but they do a little bit better job of being open-minded and flexible in how that's going to manifest. Um, and I think if we will allow them to do that in 10 years, the world is going to look a little bit kinder, maybe a little bit softer place. Cause it's a little hard right now. Yeah. And yeah. I sure would like to see that soften up on the edges. 100%. Sure. And that's, that's interesting
2: okay. because I think if I remember right, Ricky, I think that's what Jason Casey responded with almost exactly. Right. Oh, wow. it was, a, a kinder, because he kind of joked, because that was his his word. His word but um, you know, in all seriousness, just a kinder, gentler place where we're not exploiting each other's weaknesses, yeah. right? and and really focusing on strengths and goodness, and um, which is your word. But yeah, just a, a place that is accepting and understanding. Take blinders off, you know. And that's I think that you talked about it a little bit in your sermon. Just the scandal of the of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just being badly broken in that unifying statement, it's also the scandal of what that man did at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, I think that we're okay with identifying hurt in those that are close to us, but where we struggle and what I would like to see is being able to identify and actually care about the pain of those that aren't like us, of those that we don't necessarily agree with, with those that we don't necessarily even like on the surface. Um, and to get out of our bubbles that um you know say that we only we're only worried about this person or we're only we're only worried about the people in this area because i think that we're pushing and we're pushing to be more unifying and to see those close to us i think where we're really lacking is going outside of that yeah and, and sure. really reaching reaching across the table and and saying like You know, and I'm, this is not going to become a political podcast, but, um, it's the greatest example we have right now is you can't just take care of those that voted like you and, and think that you're accomplishing something. Right. You know, and I think Jason does a good job of this on Sundays too. It's like, sit down. Spend time with someone completely opposite from you and just listen. Yeah, for sure. Just listen and don't try to fix them because I'll tell you right now that they think that they're just as right as you think you are. Absolutely. And and I think that that's where we've just got to be. If we are a little kinder, if we're a little more rooted in, in really fruits of the spirit to make it really simple, um, be a much different world in 10 years
1: and i think not to um conditionalize things like fruits of the spirit like we're we're real good at uh, saying you know Like I was saying, we're real good at being like, oh, I'm a good person. So, you know, this shouldn't count against me. But the minute someone different from us says (laughs) that, oh my gosh, like this is like absolutely like crucifying time. And so I think we need to apply the same grace uh, across the board. I think we need to apply the same kindness and the same generosity and the same optimism like to go into every situation saying you know what i'm gonna come into this thinking that you are a good person and that i am a good person Mm -hmm. and so we don't see eye to eye or we see the story through a different lens and it changes completely um i told a story when we did the love languages uh series the love languages of jesus and um I've told this at a women's event a couple of times. I went several years ago to She Speaks up in North Carolina with uh, Lisa Turkerson, Proverbs 31. And I went by myself the first year I went. And it's like 800 to 1,000 women at this thing. And I flew in by myself and walked in. And like the first day you walk in and everybody's like eating in this giant room and it's intimidating. It's like middle school cafeteria day again. Like I'm standing <laughs> there with like my lunch. I, I've met like two people in line, nobody else. And I was, I met some ladies and I'm talking to them and most people had come in groups and, and this one group of women, they were like, so you just came like by yourself and just walked in to, and I said, yeah, and they were like, how did you do that? How did you just fly up here without knowing anybody and decide you were going to meet people here? And I said, well, I'll tell you what I said, when I walk into a room, my assumption is that everybody in that room is going to like me. And when I came home and told my husband the story, he goes, I'm sorry, you went to a women's event and told people there that you think everybody likes you. It's pretty bold. It's a pretty bold response. (laughs) He's like, how did that go? And I said, well, let me finish the story before it makes me sound like, you know, uh, as egotistical as that seems at first. But and they said, really? And I said, well, yeah. So when I walk into the room, assuming that everybody in here likes me, it means that I'm also assuming that I am going to like Everybody in this room. Mm -hmm. It takes an incredible amount of pressure off. Now here's the thing, I don't think everybody in the room is gonna wanna be my best friend. Mm -hmm. I don't think after ten minutes of conversation, somebody me like, Whoa, she is a lot and we are not enjoying her. It's it doesn't go beyond I get it. I know I'm a lot. I am like every introvert's nightmare, right? They're all like, Oh my gosh, why would you do that? But so I get it. I get that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You're not gonna wanna be my best friend, you're not gonna wanna vote me into like, you know, princess of the event or whatever. (laughs) But in that moment, when I first meet you, my assumption is we're going to like each other because I'm not going to come in assuming that there's going to be something about me you dislike or something about you that I dislike. And I feel kind of that way. If we could apply that to most people, if I can walk into a conversation, assuming that you and I are going to have something in common or something we like, even if it's a two minute interaction, it's so much less anxiety and it's such a more positive interaction. Because I'm not already giving off a vibe to you that I'm nervous that there's something about you that I may not like. So you don't have to worry that there might be something about you that I that I don't like, you know, and it's not always easy to do. I mean, it's not like I don't have moments of social anxiety or, yeah. or awkwardness. I mean, I do, but I really try to kind of keep that as my assumption that's about good. most people. That's
2: good. And that's hard. I mean, truly as an introvert, when you said that I had a physical response, I,
1: know. To I <laughs> he was looked very like, uncomfortable. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> when- <laughs> I'm going to
2: sit in the corner over here until somebody comes and talks.
1: To I me, told you know. <laughs> that story at a retreat and literally you can see all the introverts in the room, like look down, they're like, don't make eye contact with her. Don't make eye contact with her. Don't make, Eye contact with her, she's exactly. going to come try to be our best friend this weekend. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> you can like see people physically yep. respond completely. Um, so I get it. And it'll look different. Like for an, an introvert, it may not mean you walk in and meet everybody. But if you walk in thinking, you know what, I'm going to like all the people in this room, it might be a little less intimidating. To walk in to the room or the situation so or the good. meeting or the, That's so good. you know, whatever the interaction is. Because I
2: can't think of, I mean, the number of times that a similar situation I walk in and, and worry what they might not like about me, yeah you know, and, and yeah. why does our brain go there first? Exactly. There's, will they accept me? What if they don't like me? What about this thing that maybe rubs them the wrong way? Yeah. And it's so powerful to walk in just with that equal footing of let's just assume that we're all decent people.
1: Yeah. Let's assume you're going to like me. And then here's the thing. If you don't, it's all right. We'll just walk away from this I'll find situation. another table. I'll find right. someone else. They're going to lie to me.
0: <laughs> so these next set of questions are rapid fire.
1: Okay. Oh, You gosh. just have
0: to think on top of your head and just say what it is. Okay. If you could ha- only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would that song be? Dancing Queen. What part of elementary do you wish could you could incorporate into your adult life? Recess. What was the first concert you went to?
1: Um, Garth Brooks, I think.
0: Wow. A- at the rodeo?
1: No. Yeah. No. In San Angelo, Texas, he was still small enough then that he performed in towns that size. <laughs> nice.
0: What has been your favorite age so far?
1: You know, I'd have to say I was really nervous about getting into my forties. Um, but even though the pandemic has happened during my forties, that has not been my favorite, but as far as an individual, I would have to say being in my forties, it's a good place to be. You're kind of more settled into yourself. Uh, you're not as worried about things. You, I've kind of figured out who I am at a level that I hadn't before and settled into friendships that are um, really life-giving and valuable without worrying about um, should I be over here with this group of people or should – like really focusing on life-giving relationships. So I'd say being in my 40s has been probably my favorite so far.
0: What is your go-to lazy dinner?
1: My go-to lazy dinner, if I have to feed like my entire family? Yep. Um You know, a pasta salad. I do, apparently – Something salad is my go-to. I do <laughs> a pretty mean pasta salad with like a Middle Eastern uh, dressing style tossed. It's so funny.
2: It. To, it's phenomenal. I'm sorry. It, I was just going to say, it's funny to hear the difference between women answering and men answering right? because it was like pizza. Yes. It wasn't even a <laughs> thought. And Jason Casey is like pizza. And Rebecca is like, okay, am I feeding my family or is it, how many are we talking? Do we have neighbors over?
1: It's exactly it like
2: so it a thoughtful. a
1: party. <laughs> yes ricky has had the pasta salad i
0: have had the pasta salad it is phenomenal she Mm -hmm. also makes great chicken spaghetti oh yeah that's a good one
1: that's my go-to meal to take people who like are on a meal train or food train it's the chicken Mm -hmm. spaghetti yeah
0: is to
1: die for thank you
0: what is the favorite thing for you to do during the
1: summertime uh be in the river we are river people in our house
0: how often do you floss
1: oh wow (laughs) I'm really inconsistent with that. So I would say like a few times a week.
0: What item is worth spending more money on?
1: I'm a purse addict. Like I will spend money on purses like I won't on other things. That's like my guilty go-to.
0: Is your bed made right now?
1: It is, yes.
0: Do you make it or does Greg make it?
1: Usually me, but if he is in the room, he will help me if he sees me making it.
0: you could afford any car, what car would you drive?
1: The Lincoln uh, Navigator. That's a nice one.
0: And we're going to end with this question. What is the last craft someone has made for you?
1: <laughs> it's because we know I don't make crafts. What is the last craft someone has made for me? I don't even know because most people know that I'm not a craft girl, so they tend to not give me crafts. <laughs> As a general rule, it's not something that people give me. So it would have been like in an event, maybe at a retreat, uh a lot of times they'll give like you get a basket like a from the hosts of the retreat and stuff with with like some of your favorite things in it and a lot of times I'll have real cute like little framed uh, sayings or canvases or something along those lines so it was probably something like that most people steer away from any kind of crafting with me whatsoever because I'm just the anti craft
0: <laughs> yes it's always been funny um, when you know the women's ministry will do a craft night and I always like. Want to go and see Rebecca craft. Yes, I don't. (laughs) But Rebecca doesn't craft. (laughs) Usually someone is crafting for Rebecca. Rebecca, it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Nick. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you. Um, You can find Rebecca on our website. Um, Her email is uh, rgreben at rcnb.org. You can also follow her on her social medias and other things. But that was the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And we will catch you all on the flip side.